this morning, we now are going to turn our conversation over to biblical counseling. And I got to tell you, excellent conversation that you're about to listen in on here is excellent conversation with so for so many reasons um, biblical counseling uh, gives us the opportunity to talk about how we deal with the realities of life within the context of our local churches and um, with me this morning uh, we have my friend Sabrent de Swart. Sabrent is a pastor down the road at Linwood Baptist Church and uh, I'm looking forward to him introducing himself in a moment and then special guest uh, Anne Dryberg and again Anne I'm going to ask you to introduce yourself um, well right now. Anne you speak with a with an odd accent maybe you can tell us where you from um, and give us an indication of, of of why you are in sunny South Africa. I speak properly. I'm the only one here that speaks properly. Okay, well, uh, I'm from Scotland. <laughs> well, we'll let the, the 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 users decide. We'll let the listeners decide. <laughs> I hope people can understand my Scottish accent. Um, I have been a missionary in Flemish-speaking Belgium since 1991. So Flemish is very similar to Dutch. So. Yes. Um, uh, Dutch and Afrikaans are also very similar and I've been doing biblical counselling in Belgium certainly since about 2000 yeah. My wife spent some time in, uh, in well, when you say Dutch, that's Holland, right? Yeah, uh, Flams, and, Flemish and, and said that Flemish is like a really fast version of everything that else that's going on around them Okay. Uh, or was that Friss? Mm, yeah, now that I'm thinking about it, it might have been Friss, like there's a whole lot of dialects that's out right. there and Okay, so you take Scottish, which is already sometimes difficult to understand, and you add it to um, Flemish, and right. what do you end out with? Afrikaans. Uh, with Af- <laughs> <laughs> would, you say, would you say something to us in Flemish? I'd be very interested to hear what the language sounds like. Yeah, I'm very thankful that I can be here, and I can do an interview. Uh, thank you for having me here and looking yeah. forward to the interview. Something yeah. to that effect. Yeah. Okay, so that sound, kind of sounds like uh, like Africa. Say something in deep Scottish. I'm really happy to be here and to take part in the interview. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I got Scottish family, uh, Uncle George McPherson, right. and uh, and and so uh, yeah, your, your Scottish sounds great and yeah. uh, reminds me of my family. Sabrent, so uh, brother, maybe just describe who you are and uh, and and. And our engagement and what church you serve and uh, what your particular interest is in particularly as it comes to biblical counseling well obviously my interest as a pastor is to see people saved uh, not just saved through the gospel but to be transformed into the likeness of Christ um, Haha. So, okay, so we're getting you into the camera. We're getting you into the camera camera shot so that we can see you. <laughs> so that is definitely the controlling thing um, uh, for us. We are at Denver Baptist Church. Our philosophy of ministry makes provision very much for evangelism. We've got a huge evangelism outreach going. Um, but, uh, you know, and uh, that was, I always say, that's the birthing canal that God chose to grow the church. And yes. it's not disgruntled members coming from other churches. Yes. So that happens. And then the babies come in and their spiritual nappies needs to be changed. Yeah. And uh, that's uh, exactly where discipleship comes in. Evangelism is part of discipleship. So I've been there for 13 years. Um uh, the church has changed. It's going in a new direction. Um, uh, one anothering is very important. 
um, our philosophy of a ministry is, as I said, to reach reach out into the community, but grow people by not mere head knowledge, but helping them to understand their own anthropology, their own heart motivations, and to change from there and not just conform to what they are told, but mm-hmm. really to repent and uh, turn to Christ from from within their thoughts and their motivations and uh, then, then their behavior. You said that um, that the ministry is taking a, a, a new direction uh, and you spoke about the one another's. The, the listeners would be familiar because I love talking about the one another's. Mm. What, 54 one another's in the New Testament? Um, uh, greet one another with a holy kiss repeated four times. Love one another 15 times. Uh, carry one another's burdens. Teach one another. Admonish one another. Exhort one another. All of these things so important to the life of a local church um, in terms of a church being more than just the event that you attend on a Sunday but being a being a relationship that you're in all week long that you grow yeah. together yeah and then of course discipleship becomes an important part of that you've already mentioned discipleship how does discipleship factor into a healthy church say Brent well, um, the Lord Jesus Christ set that standard when he said go into the world to make disciples. He didn't say make converts. Mm. Don't get them to pray the sinner's prayer. Yes. But uh, make disciples, which means use the word of God to confront them and uh, for them to be transformed into likeness of Christ. Um, unfortunately, um, that aspect of the church in general has become very superficial. Mm. And, you know, we count numbers and mm. we get people to say uh, a little rhyme that a parrot can say, but there might be no repentance in the heart. And I know some people might be offended by that, but uh, it is, it is. we need to go to the scriptural understanding that when we come to faith, it's faith in Christ combined with a turning away from from sin and uh, turning towards Christ and that in itself is discipleship and it's it's needed because i don't just come to salvation through being born again but i'm saved every day now i need to clarify that uh, and progressively uh, be sanctified until my final sanctification and glorification is a new body that cannot sin. Uh, so so you've, you've raised a couple of things that I want to come back I'm sorry. to. But I, I, I want to bring <laughs> Anne in before yes. we, we race too far down. You, you've, raised, you've raised Lordship Salvation um, and you've raised Sanctification. The, these are such important elements to talk about. And you raised this reality that we're to confront people with, with God's Word. And obviously when we come to the confrontation with God's Word, it's to effect transformation. Um, it's, to, it's that we might be uh, uh, moved from one degree of glory to the next. Uh, and so now we're starting to, to come very close to biblical counseling. So we're going to return there shortly. Sure. Um, but, but Anna, I want to bring you in, uh, before we race too far uh, down the road toward biblical counseling, um, if I've understood the way that you uh, introduced yourself at the beginning of the show, um, you're you're a, a, a Scottish believer who is doing biblical counseling in Holland. Uh, in terms of the, well, did I, 
uh, in Belgium, in Belgium. Um, hi there, Roland. It's good to have you with us uh, this morning. Looking forward to you dropping a comment. Uh, we've got some Belgium listeners uh, that are long-time listeners. Um, in in terms of in terms of the local church and and the the local church scene in Belgium, what does that look like? What does that feel like? Um, is the is the local church healthy? Is it unhealthy? The local church that you attend does it relate in some ways to what you see at Linwood, or possibly other churches that you might have had some exposure to in South Africa? Okay, I come from a country where we've had the Bible for centuries. Yes, Scotland used to be Bible-loving Scotland. Where yeah. I was born, Glasgow was like Glasgow flourished by the preaching of the word. Yeah. Belgium had a totally different history. So they, at the Counter-Reformation hundreds of years ago, all the believers and all the educated people fled. Mm. And from there, the, the, the form of Roman Catholicism had control over the country. And that form of Roman Catholicism, they did not preach the gospel. It was idol worship, uh, saint worship. And the, the Bible was a forbidden book. You were, it was a sin to read the Bible for yourself. And that changed at Vatican II in the 1960s. Yes. So you have whole areas of Belgium where there's no evangelical church. Um, and after Vatican II, there were um, there was a, kind of like a mini revival in the country where um, people wanted to know the truth. Uh, can, can we just go back to Vatican II? Because mm-hmm. some of the listeners won't be aware that Vatican II was a, a Roman Catholic council that mm-hmm. came out with edicts that reformed the church from right. the inside and, and moved some of Catholicism um, may, maybe back to more Christianized roots. Um, however, it didn't move Catholicism away from Catholicism. Right. <laughs> so they then were, were al- allowed to read the Bible for themselves. And during the 70s and 80s in particular, there was a mini revival in Belgium. Um, um, people wanted to know the truth. And um, people I used to work with, Canadian missionaries came and uh, they would... Sh- they did lots of evangelism and even someone like a medical doctor yeah. he was he when he saw a bible he moved from one side of the room to the other he was too scared to touch it because it was the wrong thing to do wow um so you get this it's, lot- h- it's hard it's hard to imagine a world yeah. where, where that could be a reality because it's yeah. so foreign to right. the to the way that a South African has right. experienced the Bible, we we hand them out at our schools. You know, everyone yeah. gets a New Testament in the language of their choice. You know, yeah. to to put in their top pocket that the Gideons hand out. <laughs> they they might have been given one at school, but they were yeah. not allowed to read it. Okay. Um. So, what happened? These people became believers, um, and there were lots of little churches that started up across Flanders, and I'm, I'm more familiar with that than the French speaking side. Um, but then you've got people who become believers who have no understanding of the Bible. I, I mean, I know how I learn a lot about living the Christian life is learning from older people. Mm, mm. None of that. No, no, none of these godly examples. Um, so they're discovering it. First generation church all, all throughout. And then if you could also culturally, it's different. The, the priest was your conscience. He told you what to do. So he, and when you when you behave like that you use things like fear guilt shame intimidation so that's in the culture too the tendency of the authority to tell people how to think or what to do it's a it leans more to shame and uh, honor culture um so you've got these churches first generation have not got that legacy of the bible and if you imagine people coming from centuries of a no bible 
how do they think what about the relationships um you get addictions you got lots of abuse um there's a tendency to negativity in the thinking so lots of depression as well it's a it's a very very needy country mm. you just think of of the Bible's own profession of itself that it is light mm. uh, in a dark place that it's light to the path that we walk and just when you take away that light what what do you sit with yeah. uh, uh, really the 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 darkness creeps in um, and and then I guess when one is exposed to the Bible exposed to the Word of God uh, you you have this piercing light coming right. through darkness right. um, uh, uh, do me a favor just describe uh, for the for the joy of my heart what, what something of a revival in the 70s and 80s in Belgium might have felt like or looked like uh, I mean just in terms of life change uh, was that at a at a national level uh, was it localized in certain cities um, or was it at an individual level because of just the the massive amounts of ignorance in terms of God's word well, I wasn't there at the time okay so so, so I, you can't actually I arrived in 1991 <laughs> when, and it all stopped Okay. <laughs> well, we're not going to draw any direct correlations to that right now. <laughs> but maybe we can get back to that. <laughs> okay. Uh, and the reason why I ask is because in many ways, whilst South Africa has had God's word faithfully available to yeah. to people, and whilst the pulpits all across our country have, have had opportunity to faithfully preach God's word. The truth is our country needs something of a right. revival. Uh, it really does. Uh, we feel mercy drops falling right. but we plead for showers because in so many ways um, our our Christianity <coughs> in our land is an inch deep and might be miles wide but but it lacks depth and and so whenever anyone drops the word revival I'm always interested in terms of mm. what that might have looked like and felt like um, there yeah. was a huge emphasis on evangelism so yes. they had this new found faith and um, they shared with their friends and family uh, very actively involved in the church uh, which is great unfortunately the depth wasn't there now what I'm talking about about the, the need there is for teaching there about what we're talking about biblical counseling how does the Bible change your life the, the, the living word of God the Lord change your life um, so there was a tendency maybe to works like evangelism mm. coming to church uh, yeah, and that remains a huge need in the country for discipleship and teaching. Yes, mm. discipleship and teaching. So, so a couple of elements that that I I just want to draw out from what you said and and from what you said, uh, Sabrant, is just this emphasis on evangelism. Both of you mentioned it in terms of uh, Linwood, uh, the front door evangelism, focus on the proclamation of the gospel that Jesus died as a substitute for sinners, rose from the grave in victory over death, and that all men everywhere are called upon to repent for the forgiveness of sins. Now that's a word that you used many times, Abraham. I do want us to get back to repentance. Um, you both mentioned uh, uh, evangelism and then you both focused on discipleship, just this need for discipleship because as we see uh, new believers coming into the church, what we really need to do is, 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 is then provide ongoing discipleship so that there can be depth of relationship with one another and with Jesus Christ. We, we need to grow. We, we can't just be, be saved to remain where we are. We need to be confronted, you use that word, confronted by our sin and we need to grow in Christ likeness. 
maybe Sabrent at this point we, we we talk about discipleship and we now need to make that link to biblical counseling and explain how biblical counseling fits into the framework of a local church that's a great uh, bridge uh, but I need to explain the bridge sure. before we go there um, <clears throat> I think that you you know you mentioned that we've had the privilege of having some good preaching in our country for so long uh but we are in the process of actually losing uh the power of the word and the reason for that is that so many have started to take the word of God and dilute it with secular ideas and secular thoughts. Now, this is relating to yes. discipleship. Yes. Okay, we I'm not moving away from that question. Yeah. Um, and so, what we what has happened at our theological seminaries? Uh, I mean, I studied at a seminary. I'm not going to say where it was, but I had to take some. I had to take theology and I had to take psychology. Yes. And uh, now we're talking about discipleship. The the problem, the two cannot be mixed. It's okay. oil and water. It's a God. God's word can stand by itself. It doesn't need psychology. It doesn't need any ideology. So what has happened in our seminaries? Because we actually, when we talk about discipleship, we need to go back to the seminaries. Mm. Um, they were they were theologically correct. Uh, I can remember uh, Potch University. Did you just drop the name? Uh, even, no, 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 even no, when no, no, <laughs> no, 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 I'm not talking negative about them. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Potch University was the first university. I had a conversation with Jay Adams, and yes. he said that's where he came, and it was uh, Dr. Van der Yeah, yeah. Now, they have moved away from it, and they don't make no secret of it, so you can go find it online. I'm not... Uh, sure, sure. So, so what is done, you know, we are taught the Word, but then if people really have problems, we don't go to the Word we go to secular ideas. We go to Maslow, Adler, Rogers, wherever. So the problem is, yeah. the problem with that is, uh, is a sufficiency of Scripture. Well, well now, j- just Can underline... Can I just quickly explain sure. that? It's like it's a, the Bible is sufficient for doctrine, yeah. but it's also sufficient for practice. Yes. And the moment I say that something else can help me solve my problem, I'm no longer sufficient in Scripture. So... Can we just go back sure. and, and, and cover the ground again just to absolutely underline for, for listeners? Because they would have heard you saying you were taught theology and you were taught psychology and, and they would have picked up that you said, hang on, these two can't mix. Why? And, and so I, I just want us <laughs> to go back and underline why can't these two things mix? What Fantastic is actually question. the problem? Thank you. Here's the problem. Yeah. And... Uh, Churches need to hear this. The Bible explains man in a very specific way, anthropology. Uh, it explains how man functions. It explains the, uh, the processes of the heart. It explains the various parts of the heart, which mm. include thinking, yes. emotions, all those stuff. Here come Freud, and he says, no. Anthropology is not that. It is the id, the superego instinct. He creates a new anthropology, a secular anthropology. Yes. Then comes Jung. He creates uh, a new anthropology. And so you have all these inventors of psychology, and they all create a different anthropology. 
Maslow says man is basically he need to have his needs fulfilled to reach self-actualization. Mm. And uh, so here's the problem. You know, the devil doesn't come into the church necessarily through the front door with wrong theology, mm. but he is creeped into the back door through wrong anthropology. Okay. And so our understanding of anthropology, because it's so push, it's secular, mm. has, has caused this problem when it comes to discipleship. Because how do I disciple someone who is drenched in a Maslonian anthropology? Yes. So I have so, to think through that. So if I understand you correctly, and then I'm going to bring you in. in um, if I understand you correctly, what you're saying is that each one of these branches of psychology, and there's a number of branches of psychology, mm. are positioning an anthropology, which is the study of man. They're positioning an, an anthropology which really runs contrary to God's word. And Absolutely. so ultimately undermines the word of God. And then really fundamentally brings into question the sufficiency of the word of God to speak into the life of man and to speak into all of the life of man. Yeah, can I just yeah, say something on that? Because it's, it, it, it is a good point. Just think of how it's going to affect the way a person that has been affected, in, infiltrated <laughs> by Maslow um, which is a need-based psychology. How is that going to affect the hearing of the word? When you say, come to Christ. Yes. And Christ wants to be your savior. And you've learned and you've been drenched uh, and affected by the whole idea of need. The person, if it's not clarified to the person, the person goes, well, he's going to be my need meter. Mm while he's my savior and yes. he's my lord now he becomes my need meter so uh he's my universal need meter and he's so uh, it's not the savior it has an impact well you can actually hear that gospel proclamation seeping into churches Absolutely. all over our country Absolutely. where yeah. uh, you know come to christ yeah. to have joy and happiness and fulfillment rather than come to christ because he is master and lord yeah um yeah. absolutely now i mean south africa a Christianized country, um, a, a legacy of faithful proclamation of the word, broad access to God's word. We talk about things like the infiltration of of different systems of thought. You spoke about Jung, you spoke about Freud, we spoke about psychology. I mean, a country like Belgium, where you didn't have this this underlying emphasis on 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 the Word of God and access to the Word of God, um, how has how have these things either bled into uh, the Christian Church, or is the Christian Church standing in absolute sharp contrast um, to what is the common culture of the day? It has bled into the church. I said that um, in the past, the priest was the conscience of people. He was the most educated, and he told people what to think, what to do. Mm. Nowadays, that's university. So they are the educated people. They tell you what's true and what's not. So uh, there's a huge emphasis on Belgium uh, on your degree. So the more educated you are, then you're right. So um, I'm not talking about Christians now, but they are taught that, uh, for example, the whole thing of evolution, that evolution is scientific fact. No thinking person believes that there was a creator. When it comes to uh, helping people, it's just a given. Uh, secular 
systems are the answer. So in the church, even people who might lean towards biblical counselling uh, have accept secular thinking in their in their anthropology, largely because in universities it's taught as being true. I mean, just uh, very scary realities that you're talking about in terms of the undermining of scripture and uh, we're coming up to the top of the hour and the, in the second hour I'm, I'm really hoping that we can begin to talk about the reversals what, what then is the biblical answer um, to this conversation H- how can how can local churches how can pastors and how can members of churches equip themselves um, in order to to uphold God's word and uphold God's way uh, in their families, in their churches, uh, and and present that to the world in general. Um, number of people talking in on the conversation as we've been uh, engaged. Uh, we do have a voice note. We'll we'll start the hour off with a, a voice note from Google Hannah. Uh, greetings from Ursula. Greetings from San. Chachelo um, Pule says. Uh, oh, she says good one. I'm using the uh, the anthem. And then later says love. What Sabrin's uh, take is on this reminds her of the first few modules of uh, biblical counseling at STMI, and we're going to talk about STMI in a while. Um, Penny greets us, uh, Beth. Uh, oh, do, you, do you know Beth? Um, oh, yeah, I think I'm married to her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that would be your one wife. Uh, says, Great guests you have on this morning, Beth. It's uh, lovely to have you with us. And then Karabu says, uh, So crucial what your guest has said on biblical salvation. It is important to know what the Bible has to say say about being reconciled to God and what God has to say about about how to be saved and uh, thank you for that contribution Karabu um, as we talk about this the, the reality is biblical counseling I, I mean you mentioned and uh, that uh, in Belgium anyway the priest stood as people's conscience um, when we come to Christ when we come to God's word we see a very different picture to the clerical system of the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, We see shepherds serving uh, from amongst the flock, uh, and we see the one another's at play uh, from the members in the church. Uh, And so I I really am hoping that we also look at a model of of how this anthropology, study of man, meets, you know, harmatology, the study of sin, meets this Christology and soteriology, salvation in Christ, and how that comes to ecclesiology local churches how are local churches strengthened by moving toward a biblical view of counseling and discipleship we're going to be going to a song break uh, shortly Um, we're going to be listening to uh, CRC music playing a love unbroken and heal our land Vusi looking forward to playing the song well, friends, it is good to be back with you for the second hour of the show this Friday morning. I can't believe it's the end of the week already. And I'm so looking forward to Sunday. Um, so looking forward to being with God's people and praising the Lord together. Uh, as you might have been listening to the ad breaks, uh, there was an ad break about a golf day. I'd be interested to know how many of the Table Talk listeners are are into golf uh, they spoke about some kind of shotgun start i'm assuming that's not with a rifle or a, or a gun or something if you're into golf uh, please do contact me contact me i'd be interested to know if uh, if there are listeners out there that would be interested in joining that four ball i actually don't even know what that is about but i might sit 
on a golf cart uh, on the day and and drive around and, and and see how people swing clubs and irons and and stuff. Golf started in Scotland. That's correct. I was considering whether or not to say it's very uh, Scottish. <laughs> you are. And back to you. Lovely to have you with us uh, in the studio. Being here. <laughs> I'm joined this morning by Anne Dryberg as well as Sabrent de Swart. Sabrent is from Linwood Baptist Church, which is a friend church, just a little bit east of Central or a little bit north of Central, depending on what campus you're at, um, either the East Campus or Arcadia. And and you're with us even from further east than uh, than Linwood Baptist Church or the, and far further north than That's Linwood right. Baptist Church. Uh, you're joining us this morning uh, from Belgium, where you serve as a biblical counselor, doing, doing a lot of biblical. What what does biblical counseling look like? I mean, we we've been talking about biblical counseling, biblical counseling. What does it actually look like? Uh, if a if a person says, "I got a problem, I need to speak to someone," they come and they speak to you on right. any given day of the week. What what might that look like? Well. Usually the women that come to me asking for help might be struggling with depression, there might be abuse in their lives. Um, by that I mean what secular world would call emotional abuse um, or uh, sexual abuse, um, addictions. That Those are the kind of things I'm mostly involved in. Um, again, coming from a culture where there's not that much Bible knowledge, I've also had some unbelievers ask for help. Um, and then it's really getting to know that person. So they know I'm a Christian. They know I'll be bringing the Bible. Um, and really getting to know that person and how they function, how they think, what they're, they're, what's going on in their lives, their desires, their, their, their relationships. Um, and then as, as I've really gotten to know that person, come with the compassion of the Lord and uh, in an appropriate way, in an appropriate time, helping them understand the gospel, obviously. Um and then how the Lord can change them. And then really specifically, based on what I've known, of really knowing this person, okay, how can, a daily functioning, how they think, how, what they, what they, what's priorities in their life. They're first li- living from the Lord and then letting him change them and, and what we call heart issues. So that's your thinking, your desires, your motives. And then seeing that go on to change all aspects, all areas of their lives. And it's phenomenal. I've seen the Lord change hundreds and hundreds of people the serious dark issues like abuse and rape and yeah, addictions. It's fantastic to see. Now, now and you, you're in South Africa particularly to do uh, to to be a keynote speaker at a conference right. about uh, trauma, rape, and abuse. That's correct. Uh, what what are what's going to be the general content of the of the conference? What, what what's your what, what's your goal? What are you hoping to achieve? Um, I'll be standing there with fear and trembling because um, like these are. I'm not the one with the answer. The Lord is the answer and scripture. Yes. Um, so really, so take take the rape one. Um, it's looking to see what is that experience what afterwards. What's very common things that people go through, and especially for women at the conference, what do they go through immediately and then afterwards? Uh, and then making people aware of that. Uh, what are the different areas that they'll struggle in? And then going from that to, okay, how can we help them? Or how can even the church help them in a way that's wise and at the appropriate time according to what they're going through? So, uh, I mean, there's a wide range of things, like their whole view of themselves, uh, the shame, they might feel defiled. Uh, and then you look at Christ and what he did on the cross, how he bore our shame. Uh, he clothes us with 
garments of righteousness. That's a massive thing. And and then helping that person again based on how I've known them. How do, how do they think? How do they see themselves? And helping them, walking with them, about living in the truth of who you really are is who Christ says you are, not what you've experienced, not what other people say, not what other people think about what you've gone through. Um, other other things, fear. I mean, that's a obviously a huge thing for people and helping them bit by bit the practicalities of help, experiencing the Lord's help with their fear anger, guilt um, and again seeing the Lord, I've seen the Lord change many many people as you're talking and just recognizing how important the topics that you're going to yeah. be addressing and just to repeat them we're talking trauma, rape and abuse, how relevant those topics are in South Africa yeah. um, a pseudo Christianized country with massive problems when it comes to gender based violence right. uh, issues around trauma, issues around rape, issues around abuse, I have no doubt that there are many listeners that are that are dialed in this morning that have been listening to this conversation, that have had their ears pricked as we've discussed things like psychology, things like biblical counseling, uh, and now as we come to this topic and the opportunity uh, to join a conference that's dealing with such relevant topics, uh, that they're like, well, how do we get involved in this? Uh, Sabrin, when will the conference be running? Um, how do people get involved? How do they sign up? Well, obviously, um, SMTI and Lemo Baptist has various conferences. Maybe just backtrack. What, what's SMTI? <laughs> SMTI, Strengthening Ministries Training Institute, okay. that was started by Dr. Wayne Mack here in South, well, actually in the States, but he, he moved here and he's a co-elder with me at Lemo Baptist Church. Uh, he is one of the fathers of biblical counseling. I mean, he, he really is. Yeah, I know got, he is. I've yeah. got like, I've got more books by Dr. Mack on my shelf than possibly <laughs> anyone else. I mean, even, even prolific writers like uh, Piper and MacArthur, Dr. Mack yeah. is up there in terms of volume and quality of his yeah. writing. Well, he's just publishing another one now, soon coming I, I, out. Yeah, I, I, so, how old is yeah. Dr. Mack now? He's uh, 86, I think. 86, yeah. publishing another book because yeah. that's what you do in your yeah. 86 yeah. year. So we present <laughs> um, various conferences throughout the year. We have what we call Biblical Counseling Equip. It's four Saturdays throughout the year. The first one this year is going to be Anne speaking on uh, this whole issue of the trauma of rape and emotional abuse. And then um, also in August, we're having uh, a Daniel Berger here who's going to speak on mental illness, yes. which is, of course, a huge I, issue. I mean, uh, the, these these are the yeah. issues of our day, right? It, it is the issues and, of our day. And yeah. either you approach them saying the Bible is enough, the Bible speaks into this, or you say, well, where can I find somebody who can give me assistance? Yeah. Um, and and yeah. you guys are dealing with, with the, you're at the coalface, you're dealing with the stuff that really matters. Yeah, but that's part of the problem because yeah. every pastor should be able to deal with it publicly. Well, let's talk, <laughs> let's talk about that now because yeah. w one of the dangers when, when we yeah. hit this topic of biblical counseling is we, we start to think, well, okay, I need to do a, a, a five-year um, degree in, in this, that, or the next thing in order to be competent sure. to counsel. And, and yet, there is a requirement for those who shepherd local churches Absolutely. to be competent to counsel those that Christ has entrusted to their care. If you think of the way man was made and what God says about him and how um, the Lord Jesus used his blood as the currency to purchase man, you need to take great care 
to uh, deal with and minister to God's people. Uh, you can't uh, take a light approach to helping God's people. Yes. It is purchased possession. And uh, so um, if we talk about, you know, people say to us, our program is too long. And so, well, if you consider the seriousness of what you're busy with yes. and you're going to give an account to it, yes. uh, I suggest you start as soon as possible to, yeah. to understand it. Because there are many voices out there saying, I can help you. Yes, and uh, we are warned in that in Colossians two verse eight about um, uh, you know be careful uh, because there are many suggestions to the solutions of life's problems. When when I came to my first pastorate, uh, Crystal Park, um, when I arrived there, I, I I was linked up with Dr. Mack. He he had ar- arrived in the country. He was doing a um, a six month biblical counseling course. Um, with Will Tate at Grace Christian Tate, Church yeah. in Primrose, uh, good man. I love Will. Wonderful guy. And um, I think it was Dr. Mack who who really challenged me with something that has stuck in my head, and I've noted it over and over again as I've seen men make this statement again and again and again. Um, and and that's we ought not to be referring every single counselling case that comes into our office. The the reality is there there might be cases which are which require a specialised um, insight from a trusted friend uh, that you might refer to. I've referred people to you, Sabrent. I've referred people to 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 Will. But the reality is, people come into my office. They're sheep that I've been entrusted to care for. Uh, the reality is, we must work hard. Um, that we are able to speak into the lives and speak into the issues that people are facing. Yeah. Glenn, Glenn Williams, a long-time listener, writes this. He says, I know a large mainline church in Gauteng, who will not be named, where the counselor categorically stated to me in a discussion a few years ago that she does not use the Bible in counseling, especially with non-believers, as it's insufficient to address modern psychological issues that are worse or different to those in biblical times, um, which Glenn says is scary. Uh, he goes on to say, but the reality is that they're not psychological problems, they're spiritual problems, and there's no better book to deal with spiritual problems than the Bible authored by the one who created us. Uh, and uh, maybe you can just kind of come in there, because uh, the reality is your counseling ministry isn't just to believers, it's right. to non-believers as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm at the moment. I'm I'm helping someone who's in a, who's in an abusive relationship, not a believer, has virtually no knowledge of the Bible. She she knows I'm a believer. She knows my thinking is biblical, um, and we've had fantastic discussions. Like uh, she's seen the patterns of abuse, and she's wondering why 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 can people be, how come people all over the world can be like that? So we've been able to talk about being created by God and that people rebel against God. Uh, we've talked about the mind, about thinking. Uh, so uh, the, it's important we think what's helpful and what's truth. Uh, we've had conversations about what's truth. Yes. She started going to church. Um, I, I've helped um, non-believers go through unwanted divorce, uh, and then being able to talk to them about uh, the importance of relationship, relationships. Uh, talk to them about grief, isolation uh, dealing with anger uh, and again seeing the other people then take, taking these women and then them be, 
going to church and becoming involved in church. I've, I've seen women become believers through it. And even um, in general, not just for unbelievers, but believers, what issues do people come counselling for? Are exactly the issues the Bible addresses. Um, fear, guilt, relationship problems, uh, sorrow, um, hurt, um, trauma, shame, trauma, trauma, rape and abuse. Uh, yeah, I mean, all of it is, yeah, is in it, God's word. Uh, yeah, and it's phenomenal. Even looking at the cross, what did Jesus go through on the cross? He was shamed, humiliated, rejected, uh, <clears throat> exposed. It became sin for us. That's the worst trauma ever. Um, and you think of what the Lord says about how we come to Him for help in our time of need, and then He He works in our uh, the issues that people struggle with as a result of that. What we call heart issues. So the Lord knows the Bible is sufficient. The Lord knows He's gone through awful suffering Himself. It's, uh, it's yes. fantastic to see him changing people who've gone through the worst of human experiences. So we we have a high priest who can sympathise with right. us in every way. Right. Uh, he's he's experienced the yeah. depth of our pain. Yeah. Uh, it's quite remarkable. Yeah. It really is that we serve a God who is not only transcendent, holy, right. high above, right. um, you know, infinite. Uh, we we can't comprehend him, but we we serve a God who's eminent, Emmanuel, God with us. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. It it is a most remarkable right. thing. Thinking also of the cross, obviously we know he's died for our sins, but he also conquered evil. Like he's seated uh, above principalities and powers in the heavenly places. He he defeated Satan. He defeated evil, and at, again at the appropriate time, yes, um, helping someone know that the evil they've gone through has been defeated by Christ, and uh, again having no hope in Him. It's, it's phenomenal. <laughs> Can I bring a couple of user um, queries and comments in at this stage? Um, one of one of the questions comes in from a long-time uh, listener, Teresa. Teresa normally asks three questions. Today, he's only asked one question, so he clearly wants the answer. He says, uh, he, there, there's a little bit about golf. I'm, I'm not going to go into that, other than to say, listeners, if you, like Teresa, are interested <laughs> in playing golf, uh, Teresa played golf for the first time ever last week. Um, if you are interested in playing golf, uh, contact me. I, I, I'd be interested to hear uh, if there's enough people to make a four ball, uh, and then I will certainly get involved myself um, but but Teresa asks this uh, please comment on the negative stigma that comes with the idea that Christians shouldn't get depressed and, and he's asking this as as a as a young man who mm. came from a very charismatic background where even the idea of of being depressed would have been certainly frowned on and and, and wouldn't have been something that was dealt with it would have been something that needed to be avoided at mm. all costs um, and and come to reformed convictions of faith joined a healthy good church out on the east rand named crystal park baptist church uh, and is serving faithfully there and um, but what would be your your comments just around the the, the negative s stigma around mental uh, mental illness full stop and then how the church should approach these things yeah. in a world which seems to be dealing with them you know we have formalized when we talk about Depression. We yes. immediately think about the answers psychology gives, and which is a problem because when you get to the Bible, you find it all over. Uh, you find it the first time. Uh, you find it um, uh, in Genesis chapter four. Yes. Um, Cain. 
his countenance fell and the Lord encounters him. So now the depression he encountered was because of sin. Yes. Okay. But there are other depressions that uh, that are mentioned in the Psalms. Mm -hmm. And uh, David expresses depression and uh, many of them are related to hard experiences. And and the prosperity of those who are evil. Yes. And then you find in Second Corinthians, you find Paul. Yeah. Again, hard circumstances. Yes. Depression is part of being human. Maybe just say that again. Depression say, is part of being human. It's so important that the church even mm. is heard saying this truth. Um, because so often we are silent about it. Yeah. And so even as you're hearing this, Teresa, um, one of the ways that we fight the stigma is that we acknowledge that depression is part of being human, but we also acknowledge that the Bible is sufficient to deal with these Absolutely. issues that we're facing. Uh, and, 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 yeah. and, 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 and really, we as the church need to be involved in, in, in hitting yeah. these stigmas head on. Yeah, and you, but you know, psychology has answered the question. What is the cause and cure of psychology? And uh, those mouths are speaking very loudly. Yes. And uh, our pulpits. So it might be your environment, or it might yeah, be your. Yeah. Yeah. And our pu- uh, and um, the pulpits are not very clear on on these issues because what we've done is that we've handed these over to the professionals that yes. can deal with these things. It is a theological theme through Scripture, and you have to de- deal with it. Um, the a biblical anthropology. Now, um, there are various ways that the church has responded to that. And I don't know if you want to go there. You said earlier. Well, 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 well tell me. I, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. M- maybe to say, when we talk about biblical counseling, uh, I mean, most churches will have some form of counseling that, that, that people can access. Sure. And yet I'm not convinced that all forms of biblical counseling are in actual fact biblical counseling. Uh, Glenn actually raised yeah. the, this reality that you can go to a, a mainline, a large mainline church uh, somewhere in Johannesburg, which we don't need to name, and you can get counseling. Counseling without the Bible, mm-hmm. um, and so it is certain that not all counseling is biblical. But then, in particular, we use that crazy word that I encourage people to go and Google early in the show, and that was nuthetic counseling. What on earth is that, other than a big name? <laughs> Can I talk about the other alternatives that Please. exist within the church before we get there? Because I think that's important. Um, you know, Paul writes to the Corinthians and he says that you are all able to counsel one another, to confront one another. Yes. Every single Christian is a counselor. Yes. But not every every Christian counseling is a biblical counselor. Sure. Because of our uh of the world we are living in and we've been impacted and because of weak preaching. Yes. Um now uh, there are some forms of counseling that exist within churches that are not biblical, and I'm, maybe I should mention some of them. Um, yeah. uh, I think one of them, uh, and uh, I hope I don't shock the listeners, uh, is the whole idea of uh, the deliverance ministry as a counseling ministry. Uh, and there are various things there. The you know the devil uh, is the cause of all my problems, and so what is happening there is that we actually change the doctrine of sin. 
So I'm not responsible. The devil is responsible for this. And uh, that, of course, if you identify that as the solution, we need to deal with that problem, you're going to end up with a wrong method and you are going to end up with a wrong result. Um, The whole thing about uh, deliverance ministry also goes into the whole thing of generational curses, which we find nowhere in Scripture. In fact, the reference to the sin of the fathers of the second and third generation were the illustration and demonstration of sin by the parents to the next generation. You take uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There are three generations there, and uh, that's the context. And uh, you see how the sins of Abraham and Isaac really flowers in the life of Jacob. And uh, so that is the right understanding of it. Um, So uh, that's the first one. The whole thing of deliverance ministry as a counseling ministry is an unbiblical way. And yet it's very popular. Then you get um, what we call um, Christian counseling. Christian counseling basically takes um, psychology, one school of psychology, Uh, You can have uh, Stephen Atterburn is a Freudian psychologist and he covers um, his uh, his theories with Christianity. And uh, so he presents that's happening in the church. Mm. That's that's an option in the church. Um, So that's happening within churches. So we have a mixture of secular thought and theology. An integration. It's integrated, yeah. yeah. And uh, so basically the idea is God's word is not sufficient and it needs to be upheld by some man's ideas of man and his problems. Then you get um, another form which is called theophostic counseling. Now that's interesting because uh, it's all, it, it, it kind of verges on mysticism where you, where you um, um, invite God in to show where the hurt has taken place and now God's going to heal that and we, it's going to happen through, through prayer. And uh, so the person uh, doesn't have to do anything. They, they, they simply uh, have to, you know, Jesus is going to point out where the hurt takes place and now it's going to heal it. So, so you have a whole host of counseling approaches and then you have a, uh, a kind of eclectic approach to counseling within the church where we just take from various schools of smorgasbord, uh, a little yeah, bit of a smorgasbord, what, yeah, whatever and, we think might work. Yeah, and we put it together or be pragmatic. Well, this is going to work, yes. you know. And, um, but when it comes to scripture, when we talk about biblical counseling, uh, we have to have the understanding that all scripture is God breathed. Yes. And profitable. Yes. And there's four things. Yeah. For teaching, reproof, correction, training, so that the man of God will be adequately equipped for, yes. for what God has for him. Uh, the teaching comes from where? It comes from Scripture. And what is teaching going to do? It's going to reprove you. Basically, the word means it's going to point out the error. And then it says, so it's teaching, reprove, and then correction. It's also going to show you how to avoid that error and go in the right direction. And then it's also going to show you how to be trained in it. And the church needs to come back to that, that Scripture is our authority uh, on this matter. Um, If you think about it, God wrote the Bible and he made man, 
Therefore, the Bible speaks plainly about how man should live and what he should live for and how he can change. Um, also, what is different with um, uh, a biblical counseling, an authentic counseling, is the idea that man can change. Secular ideas does not carry that, 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 that belief. Man cannot really change. Uh, so how we can change, why can we change? Because our way of thinking, our sinful ways of thinking, our sinful ways of desiring are habitual. And habits form over a long period of time. It uh, forms our character. And uh, if I can change a habit of thinking for it to become more biblical, uh, what I'm going to see is I'm going to see my emotions affected mm. by it. I'm going to see my desires and motivation affected. My commitments that I've made is going to be uh, affected. And what's going to happen over a period of time, we're talking about a process here, it's yes. not an event. Yes. Over a period of time, there is going to be change. And it's going to be change God's way. Yes. The Bible is very clear on these issues. Of So we, we put off what is sinful, but we don't just put off because most people think that's change. You have to replace it with what is biblical in the various areas where these put problems... Put on. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4. My, yeah. my wife attended a, a, a counseling uh, program, uh, a, a two-year one, um, uh, a few years ago. And her mantra uh, ever since has been put off and put on. Um, I often do counseling together with her, particularly of uh, women, and, uh, and, and just this idea of putting off and putting on and the fact that Jesus Christ can transform us, mm. that the Holy Spirit within us is a change agent, that that God does take what was a dead heart and turns it into living flesh, and he moves us mm. um, toward the image of Christ. And that, uh, I mean, if we go right back to the beginning of the show, you started talking about sanctification, which is just a big word for growing um, increasingly holy or separated unto God that this is a process that it is um, that it is progressive that mm. that we move from one degree of glory to the next we we had a question that came in particularly related around depression I, I don't know if you want to handle it Anne or if you want to handle it Sabrent um, but greeting saints thank you for the spiritual encouragement and empowerment says Mavis is depression number one an illness number two a condition Number three, an experience. Is it hereditary? Number four, and is it curable? Number five. Well, depression, as I said, is a human experience. Um, if you think about humanity, how God created us at the beginning, and how Adam and Eve sinned, and uh, what was affected is the mind. Um, it is sin has a tremendous effect uh, on the way we think. Yes, the way we think about things, the way we 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 uh, take things out of uh, its place. We we em we overemphasize this. We underemphasize certain things, and that's why Scripture is so clear on being renewed in the mind. We need to be renewed according to Scripture. 
So that is, uh, I think, already a start to it. I, I can't remember the rest of the questions, well, well, but m- maybe you really can Really, it was kind of circumstantial. You know, is it an illness? Is it a condition? Uh, is there it an are, experience? There is are certain hereditary? depressions that are linked to circumstances. I yes. mean, you take Deuteronomy 8 verse 2. Uh, Moses reads to the congregation and says, you will remember how the Lord took you through the wilderness. And uh, they were kind of complaining. They were there for 40 years. Why were they there? Uh, Because their hearts were evil. Yes. Uh, And uh, we read about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Now, um, there are sin can make you depressed. We read about it in Psalm 32. Uh, David says, when I kept quiet about my sin... Uh, I wasted away. That is depression. But that's not not all depression. Can I just clarify this? Because this is please, so, please so do, I know, important. I know where you're going, I, and it yeah, is an important yeah. caveat. You know, people will say, is all depression related to sin? Now, let me finish this. Yeah. Okay. As my wife say, hear me out. <laughs> the answer is yes. But it's not necessarily your sin. Yes. It could be the sins of others. Yeah. But because we are sinners, yes. the way we we interpret life mm. and the lens through which we we look at life, and that's what biblical counseling deal with. Depression is a huge opportunity. You know, uh, at, at SMTI, we spend a lot of time with that. So here's a simple illustration that one could use. Uh, if you have a little drawing, maybe you want to make a stick drawing. Here you stand as a depressed person and you look at God through your circumstances. Yeah. God is going to look different. It's like uh, yeah. Yeah, rose-tinted glasses. Yes. But if you flip it around, if you look at your circumstances through God, mm. uh, you can say uh, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. It is the way we we look at life. Yes. And the scriptures is very much a lens given to us whereby we can look at life the way God wants us to look at life. Now, the, I mean, that's not the final answer to depression. And sure. I don't seek to give, uh, you know, the, you need to sit down with a person and mm. you need to understand where the depression comes from. She mentioned the whole thing about, um, is it a genetic predisposition? Um, you know, we we uh, live in an era where the whole thing of serotonin, neurotransmitters and all that is very popular. And we were just talking about it yesterday in certain universities. It's not even taught anymore. But it's a theory. Now, you can measure whether someone has serotonin, uh, a lack of it or much of it. But you can't make the link to say a little of it is automatically going to cause depression. Mm. So that that theory, it's a theory. Mm. It is not. It cannot be proven. Um, that has been very popularized, and in our country, people certainly think that that is something it's hereditary. The difference between causation and correlation. Yeah, I I I inherit this uh, this from my parents. Now I am in no way trying to cause anyone who is there anxiety 
I, because there there is an anxiety that comes with what we would call a what what the world calls a diagnosis. Uh, I prefer to use the word description. Um, so if there's a diagnosis of this, uh, and the reason why it is problematic is because psychology has taken depression into um, the physical world uh, and into the medical world. Yes. And um, so there are medical solutions to, to this. And But yet it's not solutions. It is more managed now. I am not at all saying go off your medication. In fact, I'd never say that to any counselor. Uh, we are sometimes, uh, or, or counselees, we are, we are sometimes criticized by saying, oh, so you tell people to go off their medication. I've never done that. Um, and uh, or, or they will say, so you're against psychology. And then I ask, which one? There's over 240 psychologies. So which one are you referring to? And they all differ. Yeah. They, they, they don't agree. So we are on very thin ice if we buy into that, the psych psychological worldview hook, line, and sinker. So... Can I ask you yeah, that? Please. Um, in our, certainly where I come from, the mindset is we should always be happy. And I think the current DSM, if, you, if you're if grieving the loss of someone close to you, you should, you should only be affected by it for two weeks. That's yeah. a DSM. That's so... That's, I find that cruel. So if, if, if your spouse dies, you have such sorrow and such grief and that... The sorrow is maybe what some people describe as depression, but because we live in a fallen world, that's perfectly normal to be sorrowful. Mm -hmm. uh, so again, understanding the person, what are they going through, what are the experiences, and and helping them find their hope in Christ. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, we we mourn, yet not yeah. like the Gentiles. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, the the truth is, we live in a fallen world. We live in a world which is messed up we live in a world where we lose family and friends and 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 things like grief um and and properly processing um those who have gone before us uh, mm. is is something that we do need to get better better at as a as a community however biblical counseling isn't just about mental illness and it's not no. just about depression because sometimes what we do is we <laughs> is we is, is we become quite myopic in the debate because we we're, we're kind of comparing biblical counseling to uh, psychology or yes. to what, what's happening in the world but in actual fact the, the ambit the scope of what needs to happen as we counsel one another as we teach one another admonish one another encourage one another uh, and and come next to one another it is so much greater than than just Absolutely. mental illness and, and and depression the reality is we we also need to see life change affected in us and and i want to get back to the discussion around around lordship and and around uh, uh, living lives which increasingly reflect the will of god um and and so how does biblical counseling form part of um of our discipleship and growth towards holy living um mm. and, and i'm thinking about kind of cultural realities this morning i, I quoted my wife on facebook um Liesl had made the statement that a young christian or young adult uh, christian believer uh, you don't need uh, birth control you need self-control and, and i put that out there and a couple of my my friends who aren't believers and 
in all likelihood aren't listening to the show. Um, <laughs> they came back and said, "Well, hang on, are you saying that sex is bad and 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 whatnot?" And, and obviously, the reply was, "No, sex is wonderful uh, and and is to be experienced with great joy within the context of a of a marriage." Um, I'm I'm all for uh, uh, joyful, happy uh, sexual relationships. Um, but at the same time, the Bible has plenty to say about the boundaries uh, in which we engage in, in sexual intimacy. Um, uh, what function does biblical counseling have beyond um, depression? I'm talking in terms of addressing life change. Uh, what, what role does biblical counseling have for the alcoholic? What role does biblical counseling have for the, the young couple who aren't married but are living together? Yeah. Uh, how does that work out in the yeah. context of a local church? Yeah. Well, um, is it okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, discipleship, that, that is the word. Um, uh, you know, one of the mistakes I made when I came to Lemur Baptist to say we were going to start a biblical, uh, biblical counseling ministry. And uh, you, you could just see the pictures go through the eyes. You know, the guy with the beard and the Persian rug and then chaise lounge <laughs> and, and the beard and the pipe and everyone is now getting you, That's how, how we think about counsel. But that's not the biblical understanding of it. Yes. Biblical counseling is discipleship. Yes. Um, the Christian enters into discipleship uh, at conversion. Yes. Uh, at re- at regeneration. Yeah. And he, when he dies, it's the end of discipleship on earth. You need to be in discipleship. Now, there's this discipleship journey that everyone goes on. Mm. It's a general discipleship. We learn and we... But biblical counseling is part of that. It's almost like a little... Uh, uh, where general discipleship is lifelong, it's made up of faith and repentance every single day. Yes. Um, it, uh, biblical counseling is along that river of general uh, discipleship. There's a little harbor. Uh, I have a problem, and I go in there for a period of time mm. f- to focus in intensely on one issue that is hindering me from being on the river of general discipleship. Yes. That's where biblical counseling fit into the church. Uh, There are people who lose loved ones and they mourn. That is where they've come. But then they go back into the general discipleship and they become very useful. Yeah. So so the person, uh, we're back to depression though, um, but the person who is grieving in a way which doesn't seem right, um, might for a period of time need to reach out to someone within the local church who is competent to counsel and, and actually go into safe harbor and spend some time um, getting everything that they Absolutely. need in order to continue the journey and, yeah. and in, in order to flourish yeah. uh, in Christ. Yeah. And the same would be true of a person who's dealing with a particular sin. I, I think mm. of I think of so often in terms of my own counseling men in pornography yeah. or uh, young adults and uh, sexual promiscuity um, uh, and, and a whole host, uh, alcoholism over and over again, substance abuse. Uh, the reality is if you are a believer and you are in Christ and you have given yourself over to something which is sinful, uh, something which you're you're struggling or you're not struggling mm. to deal with and you need someone to come next to you, that would come under the ambit of, of counseling. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. And the topics of counseling, uh, we just, we're finishing off today on a whole week of 
uh, of teaching from 8 in the morning until 5. And this week we did uh, marriage and family topics. And uh, there are a whole host of things that we discussed. We 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 discussed uh, raising children God's way. We yes. uh, we we discussed sex God's way yes. in marriage. Uh, we discussed um, recovery uh, after adultery. Uh, we discussed divorce, marriage, and divorce and remarriage. Uh, so all of life, yes. we need to go back to scripture, and we need and, to be equipped. Yeah, and we need to be aligned with that. Yeah. And uh, so um, that needs to be the focus uh, of, uh, well, the philosophy of ministry in the church needs that focus. Uh, what are the themes that Scripture raises? I should be teaching on all of those. Mm. So I should have a conference on sex as God intended. Yes. I mean, yeah. just think about it. Oh. I, I asked the students yesterday when I was teaching, I said, who have you have attended? And it's like, hmm, no one. Yeah. <laughs> and no wonder. Yes. Uh, no wonder, you know. I'm looking forward to preaching through Song of Songs sometime soon. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, as we talk about the local church and we talk about biblical counseling, I'd be interested um, for both ladies and for men who want to get involved in counseling. In other words, they feel that this is a call of God in their life. They, they feel attracted to this particular ministry as someone might be attracted to a worship ministry and sure. another person might be attracted to a preaching ministry. Some are definitely just, this is the ministry they want to get involved in. What are some of the pathways that people can follow to 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 be equipped and, and to be competent to counsel? It's important to get training that will be thorough, yeah. thoroughly biblical, uh, address uh, all the areas that we've discussed today from worldview, anthropology, who God is, how people change, uh, issues that people struggle with. Um, so, uh, as Zebran said, everyone's a counsellor. So, um, so I, I would encourage someone to get biblical counselling training from a place that provides excellent thorough biblical counseling training such as SMTI on a side note I've seen lots of places that offer biblical counseling training and I think this is the most thorough I've ever seen um, at the same time you want to be responsible to God for how you counsel so as we think about the massive responsibility of as I'm meeting with this person sorry as I'm meeting with this person is I'm responsible to God for what I teach and how I counsel them. Um, so it'd be it's extremely helpful to be guided in that, that you become excellent in what you do. And one of the ways in the biblical counseling movement uh, we've sought to do that is by something called certification. Mm. And the, the most thorough certification body is the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors. So you get training, and you get exams, and then you get supervision. Um, and then after that you become certified and your supervisor has you can keep a relationship with that person um, so that you're not stuck if you if you're counseling someone you can go to your supervisor and get help and advice and at the same time realizing the importance of continued education it's not that you um, do training and then 20 years later you're not growing anymore yes so I, I, I would thoroughly recommend SMTI which is extremely thorough Biblical Counseling Training and is a ECB certifying organization in South Africa. 
So uh, maybe just uh, to go across to the certification aspect. So, Sabrin, you're really involved in ACBC. Um, How many accredited counsellors are there, to your knowledge, in South Africa? And and where are they? Are they kind of like all in... Pretoria, or, or are there is sure. there a sizable yeah. now group of people developing there, across the country? There's only one certified counselling training centre, and that's at Linwood Baptist Church. Yes. So that's the only one that exists. And we are in the process of uh, developing a satellite campus at Hillcrest Baptist. Yes. So uh, with Bram Hattang, who also teaches on Radio Pulpit sometimes. So we are getting involved, and there's other people who are very interested in that kind of thing. Uh, we are also in the. We have a lot of. Uh, I'm. I'm coming to answer your question. Sure. I just want you to understand fun, yeah. that the counseling, the certified counseling center, the material has been looked at. It has been okayed. It is, and what we are moving into now is doing cross cultural biblical counseling, which is a. It's different. It's different than in uh, in the states. And uh, so there are, you can go on to ACBC or no, biblicalcounseling.com and there's a world map and you can have a look at ACBC certified biblical counselors. Now, SMTI exists and our goal is to certify, uh, to get, uh, to develop certified biblical counselors in South Africa. Uh, and that's why the program is so extensive. So we we have quite a few. Uh, you can look there at the map if you want to go there. Um, I think there should be about 13. Um, with, there's some in Cape Town. Uh, there's some down in the Southern Cape. Uh, I think the majority is up here. There's one uh, up in Polikwane. Uh, and um, yeah, you can. The contact details are there, and uh, you can contact this a certified biblical counselor. And a, a person wanting to take the track, they they recognize. Well, what are some of the advantages of being accredited? What what are some of the uh, what are some of the benefits of of taking the accreditation route? Because it's quite onerous. Um, even even this morning, a couple of the people that commented, I know that have begun the certification track, and uh, I mean we're talking. Uh, large amounts of reading, large amounts of assignments, um, a multi-year um, uh, 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 dedication um, yeah. to the track. I mean, this isn't a sure. simple process. No. Um, but but what are some of the benefits that a person who takes this process will get? Yeah, well, they are obviously the first thing. If you understand how precious in the sight of God his children are, then you will get the best training to deal with them. Uh, so for your ministry, you are, <laughs> you know, as a pastor, you're going to give an account to God for how you, uh, how you ministered uh, to uh, to people. But here are some of the benefits. There are great personal benefits to to this, um, to learn your own sin profile, to learn about yourself, your own personal sin profile, and uh, then how to how to grow, how to grow the proper way. Yes. Um, uh, there's also a protection. So the material that you are getting has been certified. It is approved. And so the material you are getting, you will be able to give that to others knowing that this is biblical. Also, there's a, a, a level of protection when you, be, uh, when you belong to an association uh, of a certified biblical counselors. 
Now, with biblical counseling, we he, he, this is the issue. We never remove it from the church. Yes. So, a nothetic preaching and nothetic counseling goes together. If you don't have nothetic preaching and you have nothetic counseling, it's going to be weak. So, it it in doing the training, it helps you develop a philosophy of ministry mm. that that is not contradictory. Yes. D- don't we want that? Yes, of course we want that. And uh, so, so there's a lot of our cultural understandings of churches, of going to church and being part of a church that that will change in the process, uh, and most certainly for the good. You know, I, I can't believe it, but we're coming to the end of a two-hour show, and uh, we, we've got precious few minutes left. And I, I, I'd like to give them to you because I, I think, um, just in terms of um, some application that will come out of the show, I, I'm hoping that uh, there will be listeners that that really are interested in the conference that you mentioned, and it's a conference that you're going to be covering trauma rape and abuse yeah. you're going to be speaking uh, only to women or is yes, it a it's, a it's a women's conference what are you hoping will come out of the conference how will women be equipped at the conference what will they god willing be able to walk away with in terms of their own equipping um both rape and abuse are very dark topics are horrific um Getting a clear understanding of what someone goes through, um, helping equip someone be aware of the last time I spoke about rape, maybe this time about abuse. What is what is what are the patterns of of abuse? What are the the typical responses to someone in that kind of situation? So that will raise more awareness of if I'm talking to someone. And I'm getting to know them and I see these things um, you, you get a clearer understanding of what they're going through hopefully that will give more wisdom about how to go about helping them uh, and then also um, looking at as a church actually how can you come alongside these people and help them um, I help women who are in abusive relationships sometimes a view of who they are so I, when I come to the point about what the Bible teaches who are they as women? What does that mean to be a woman according to the Bible? Mm. Uh, that and when you're abused, pe- you're related to as if you're inferior, that you're not able to think properly. There's lots of mind games that go on, and helping them. How can you help someone in that situation? Uh, seek you know seek to glorify the Lord with their mind and become who they are in Christ. Mm. Um, so I'm I'm thinking about. Helping equip the women, I realize it's a conference, and I would hope that they would take that training and get more training. Yes, um, it doesn't mean if you you're at a conference and that's it. Um, maybe even for people who've gone through that experience, or they'll have hope that it is possible to that the Lord will redeem what they've gone through. By redeem, I mean the evil of what they've gone through to come and bring His life, and He's bring life there. So it's Christ that's defining their life and not the evil. And if people can come to through the conference, experience that, come to a point where they experience that themselves, or um, are able to help other people do that, I, I, I would be thrilled. I, I mean, this is the kind of conference that if there's a pastor listening in right now, and right. there's key ladies right. that are counselors 
either comp- a really competent council yeah. or key ladies that they want developed within the context mm-hmm. of their local church. This would be a great conference Absolutely. to send them to yeah. uh, and to encourage them to come. Yeah. Say, so Brent, maybe just one more time for the listeners, uh, the details of the conference in terms of uh, uh, dates and times and connections to websites. Uh, this is going to sound very strange. I think it's the 17th and 18th of March. Right. Uh, now, the, no, the, I'm not going to attend. I'll be teaching biblical counseling in um, in Queenstown. Uh, but um, that is the date, the 17th and 18th of March. And if people want to register, they go to info at smti.co.za. Info at s. SMT. SMTI, sorry, and it will SMTI, be at Linwood yeah. Baptist Church, uh, which is uh, down the road from the offices here. Uh, you will also be at Hillcrest on the 25th and the 26th of March. That's, uh, that's Hillcrest Baptist Church in Durban. And uh, uh, the, the sessions will be a Friday and a Saturday. Uh, session one, covering understanding the trauma of rape. Session two, covering restoring rape victims. And then on the Saturday, three sessions, understanding emotional abuse, the effects of emotional abuse, and then lastly, restoring emotional abuse victims. Um, all the details available at smti.co.za. Uh, if you need any more information, people can ask questions on Facebook. I'll be able to thank respond and, and give them links. And I do want to say thank you so much for being in the studio today. Really well, appreciate it's it. It's wonderful. Well, thank it's you. been a great chat. And, uh, and Sabrent, as usual, it's, uh, yep. it's great to see you. And now that I'm in Pretoria, I look forward to seeing you a whole lot more, brother. Our prayers go out to all the elders and the deacons holding lines in local churches as well as to our missionaries serving in foreign uh, fields. Our prayers each week and respect goes out to first responders, our police, our defense force and all those who dispense justice in our country, firefighters, paramedics, our nation's nurses and medical personnel as well as those who serve in correctional facilities uh, as services. You've been listening to Table Talk. With me, your host, Mark, we're going to be going to news shortly. And so, until next week, Friday, walk wisely, live holy, and testify zealously. God bless.